This is the 99th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Fox News. Raw, raw, war with Iran, a dance with defamation, and another migrant invasion. I don't want a war with Iran. I'll be very clear about that in a minute. But why, why do we not target Iranian refineries and let them know clearly that there'll be consequences? I don't want a war with Iran. However, uh, if they're going to attack American troops, it's got to be more than taking out two empty warehouses. That wasn't effective. And if they would have taken out their refineries, which again, I don't want a war with Iran, but I am not advocating a war with Iran. But there's got to be some certain rules in life that uh, evil nations need to abide, abide by. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sean Hannity, probably the biggest hawk on Fox News that I know of. I don't watch every show. I watch the most popular shows on Fox News. And he, uh, out of all the hosts that I cover, definitely seems the most excited about blowing things up and killing people than anybody else on the network. Uh, the second would I, I would say would be Senator Lindsey Graham, who is maniacal about his need to go to war with just about any country uh, and on any given day. You could give Lindsey Graham armaments, and I think he would just throw them. He would go to Iraq, stand on the border, and just throw them at Iran. Just throw, you know, just needlessly, like here's a gun, ha ha. Lindsey Graham, little little nutty. And then I would put Brian Kilmeade probably number three because as I've joked about on the podcast before Brian Kilmeade is like he if he should do a segment he should do his own show just called let's go to war with Brian Kilmeade because when he talks about it, he's just like why can't we just get in there with like a plane start shooting we could just go to Moscow kill Putin come fly back out nobody would know nobody would know we got good planes of course he didn't actually say that but it's sort of implied sort of implied with Brian Kilmeade so Last week was a very slow news week. They were like kind of repeating stuff. It was very dull, and it was just just battering home the border crisis. Border crisis, border crisis, border crisis. Just finding ways to wedge the border crisis into everything. Very boring, and because they've been pushing that forever. That's just evergreen. So last week, Fox News tried to terrify its viewers about what it repeatedly called an invasion of migrants at the U.S. southern border. More than one Fox News personality almost defamed writer E. Jean Carroll and several Fox hosts seemed ready to declare war with Iran as the U.S. military engaged in strikes on Iranian militia targets. On Friday, The Five and Special Report with Brett Baer broadcast without commercial breaks as both shows threw most of their focus to the military strikes in the Middle East. And of course, these were retaliation for three soldiers who were killed by a drone in Jordan. While Fox hosts tore down President Biden's strategy with Israel and Iran, they praised former President Donald J. Trump as if he was some kind of military Svengali, which of course he was not. <laughs> Meanwhile, the network completely ignored the war in Ukraine while selectively reporting on the conflict in Gaza. While the PBS NewsHour dedicated 5% of its coverage to the Israel-Hamas war, Fox News only spent 1% of its airtime on the conflict. The only story Fox covered about the Israel-Hamas war was an allegation that 12 employees of the UN Agency for Palestine, Palestinian Refugees 
participated or aided the October 7th attack in Israel. So that's very telling. That's the only story that Fox News reported on. There were plenty of other stories about the war that they could have talked about. but And we'll go through them later in the podcast because PBS definitely covered it. But that's the only one that Fox covered on. And I almost didn't call it Israel-Hamas war because I was calling it like UN. And then I went back and was like, no, that, that would put that under there. So it was about 10 minutes total for the whole week, 20 hours, not much. Um, so the shows I covered, Fox and Friends, I picked up extra hours on Tuesday because they were teasing a story that I wanted to see. It was let down by. Thank you so much, Fox and Friends. Um, I also watched The Five, The Ingram Angle. And then on Friday, I watched everything. So I started with The Five, Brett Baird, Jesse Waters, Primetime, Ingram Angle, and, and Hannity. So this first big clip we're going to get to is the U.S. military launched strikes in the Middle East and The Five kept talking about Trump. All told, the missile strikes hit 85 targets in seven locations, including command and control headquarters, intelligence centers, rockets and missiles, drone and ammunition storage sites, and other facilities that were connected to the militias, or the IRGCs. Fox News producers decided to dedicate an entire hour of commercial-free coverage on the five to the attacks. There was plenty to talk about as the network invited Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, retired U.S. Army, and Dan Hoffman, former CIA chief of station, to discuss the situation. Even though former President Donald J. Trump had absolutely nothing to do with the story, more than one Fox News personality found a way to make it about him. When Donald Trump was president, he took but when Donald Trump was president, and I don't want to make this political. Kellogg brought up the instance with Donald Trump making a threat to the Taliban and then striking Soleimani and that backing off of power. What I would offer up is this. Donald Trump is an exception to the rule. Donald Trump is one of the reasons he was so hated by both the, with the machine that exists within Washington, D.C. that is now gearing up for yet another war. Whether or not it was left or right, Republican or Democrat, there was enmity towards Donald Trump. And I think when Trump came in, he gave the generals full authority, go in there and get rid of it. He got rid of them. But, but to, to Will's point, and I, I don't know that President Trump ever had those concerns, and I felt much better about it back then. I'll say just for the record that I think this is the philosophical underpinning of what Donald Trump presented to America, that every single calculation, most especially war, should be filtered through the prism of also America So the voices that you heard there were Judge Jeanine Pirro, Will Kane, and the person who called in was Joey Johnny Jones. He is normally more on the weekends. They use him on Fox and Friends weekends sometimes, and he does Fox Nation specials, and he'll sub for people. He is um, a veteran of the Afghanistan war, and he lost both of his legs in combat. I totally see why he would call in to talk about this situation, but it was odd that they kept bringing up Trump, and they did so in Brett Baer's show as well, a special report with Brett Baer that kept talking about Trump. And I'm like, why are we talking about Trump? He actually has nothing to do with this. Uh, and I'd also say that they kept bringing up Trump's decision to assassinate Soleimani, who was an officer in the Iranian like military. Uh, and it was seen as incredibly controversial when Trump did this. It happened in January of 2020. And it was like a, just a, a strike where they blew up a car with no warning, and it was seen as sort of like Trump's way to sort of distract from the fact that he was being impeached. And it's funny because we all kind of forgot about this because 
this was January 2020. So what happened in 2020? Oh, I don't know. COVID-19 changed everything all over the world. So um, I know this because my birthday falls the day after. I'm revealing. I'm revealing a little bit here. Uh, COVID-19 was declared a um, international pandemic. <laughs> and I went out with a friend and he was like, happy birthday. And I'm like, really? Is it? Are we all going to die? Anyway, so January 2020, this, you know, targeted strike on this official, this officer who's high ranking in the Iranian Guard. And he tried to say, oh, no, no, no. Trump's his justification for it was that we it was an intimate threat, like he was going to kill American soldiers the next day. There's never real proof for that. And it was kind of a huge scandal. And. At the time, it was seen as a completely reckless, insane thing to do that could have started World War III by some. I was going through some archives, watching clips and reading about this because I didn't really completely understand it because it was just it's like some other things happened in 2020 other than COVID it was kind of my brain. But um, so they acted like this was this amazing, amazing thing. And I'm like, I don't think it was. And his track record in the Middle East was not great. It was kind of all over the place. Couldn't really, because I don't think Trump really understands what's going on over there. And as far as Israel's concerned, give me a break. So just briefly, before we move on to the next clip, Trump, when he was president, his ambassador to Israel, who was just a random lawyer that he'd worked with on a bankruptcy, on a couple bankruptcy cases, he puts him in as ambassador. The man had no diplomatic experience. And the guy's like, let's annex the West Bank for Israel. Like, he seriously said that out loud in public. <laughs> and then Trump was all for moving the embassy to Jerusalem, moving the capital to Jerusalem for no reason, really, other than to enrage a bunch of Palestinians, cut off funding to the Palestinians, and was just rah, rah, Bibi Netanyahu. Like, Bibi Netanyahu could do no wrong as far as Trump was concerned. So anybody who thinks he would be better for uh, Palestinians, I don't know what to tell you. And he also had the Muslim ban, and now he said he wants to uh, deport people who protest for Palestine. I, you know, I don't think he can actually do that, but just, oh my goodness, I, I yeah, I don't think he's going to be better. I really don't think he's going to be better for the situation. It's a terrible situation, but he's, I, ugh, that man, I just don't see anything getting better. So anyway, moving on to the next clip. This was Greg Gutfeld's reaction to this whole segment. So this is very strange. He had a few of these. Just, just, I picked my favorite. And why is it that we only have consequences for actions not in the United States? They, like you said, if, we har if you harm Americans, there will be payback. Well, there are Americans being harmed in the United States every damn day. We don't do shit about the border. We don't do anything about crime. We, uh... When will we send a message to the illegal immigrants or the fentanyl suppliers or the smash and grabbers? Or hell, why not send a message to the people who assault cops? I'm not saying bombing. I'm saying actually creating disincentives, actually punishing people who deserve punishment in the United States and protecting millions of, of Americans here. I don't want our troops getting bombed over there. I prefer that they be home here. So you put the sitting ducks out there, then we got to go send some virtue signaling message to show that we're doing something and that we know is not doing anything. And then we got to sit here and act like armchair experts talking about this crap for 17 minutes. 
That was basically Greg Gutfeld for the entire hour. Every time he got a chance to speak, he just whined that they were covering this at all. Well, sorry you don't like the story or you don't agree with U.S. policy of the fact that we have military bases all over the world, which we do, um, and you don't like that. Okay, but that's not going to change the fact that three soldiers were killed and that the U United States military is responding. It's just not. You can whine all you want, but it's not going to change the fact that this is actually happening. So deal with it, you child. Second, um, the reason why I used that clip, because he gave me like at least three pretty good examples of him just whining about everything else, was he said virtue signaling. Now, let me just explain. The United States sent our most advanced bombers, which this blew my mind, which can fly all the way from the United States refuel midair all the way to the Middle East and then just bomb the hell out of everything. And apparently these bombers, like what they were dropping, incredibly powerful stuff. We did warn uh, Iran that this was happening. They did clear the area. We did everything we could to reduce civilian deaths, which I think is wise considering what's going on in the Middle East right now. Um, and we don't want to escalate. So of course, everybody on the five kept, you know, ripping on Biden for saying that. And then saying, oh, we don't want a war, but wasn't it great when Trump blew up uh, Soleimani with no warning? And I'm just sitting here going, oh, these people are terrifying. Okay, so this was this sums up Greg Gutfeld perfectly in so many ways of what this man is all about. Not a fan, really. Not a fan. But this was him whining about the fact that his show, his precious show, Gutfeld, exclamation point, might get bumped for coverage about this, you know, military strike. And we imagine Fox and Friends weekend is going to be hot. <laughs> like yeah. I said, I know what we'll be talking well, about Kane, for four hours. Uh, there you go. You're going to, it's going to be must-watch television. They you better know? not bump my show. <laughs> you know, Greg, I... Greg Gutfeld, a story in Courage, right there. Right there. So moving on to the main story that Fox tried to push until Friday happened, and that is... The border, the border, the border, we're being invaded, help, run for your lives, basically. Variations on a theme. My favorite is that they keep showing clips of people outsmarting the wall. And they did it again today. I haven't uh, pulled any clips from it yet for Twitter, but I, I did watch Fox and Friends this morning. And they showed the same clip they were showing last week of people just walking around the wall. There's like a, there's gaps in the wall. And there's just, you know, people just walking around it. And they're like, we need more wall. And I'm like... Hi, I, you know, I'm going to be a jerk here, but if you show images of people easily, without any effort, just working with their way through this like billion dollar, multi-billion dollar piece of stuff that you put down on the southern border, I don't think putting more of that stuff is going to stop people from coming in. I'm just saying. It, you, they've, so far, they've shown people scale the wall. They've shown people cut gaps through the wall and walk right through them. They've shown people just like walk around the wall. I don't think we need more wall. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the key here. I don't, anyway, just, and maybe, maybe if you're going to make the argument that the wall is incredibly helpful as a tool, don't show people just walking right over it. Just, you know, I'm giving you some notes here. Anyway, so moving on, this is Judge Janine. Now, this is a story about some young migrant men who got into a scuffle with police. And it looked like a very brief fight, but it was a, you know, still a fight. And they're, they're hitting a police officer, which is not going to be taken well in New York City. It's not going to be taken well 
in most parts of the country. And then what happened is they arrested some of the men, but they were trying to figure out who exactly did what, and they're still looking for other people. And so because of that, they let these men out on bond. And then famously, there's a picture of them walking out of the precinct and they're flipping the bird. And of course, Fox has been showing that on a loop. They showed it this morning. They showed it last week, multiple times, multiple shows, and they showed it this morning. It's like they can't stop showing this clip. And they're like, oh my God, we're losing our minds. So this is Judge Jeanine Pirro talking about the incident. And let me say one more thing about this. These, I don't even want to call them people because they're not people. These people come here and they say they want asylum and we suckers believe it. They don't respect authority. They take authority down. One of the other ones we didn't know about yesterday was charged with resisting arrest. He pushed a cop last time a cop arrested him, in addition to their beating down the arrest. So I'm sick and tired of hearing this nonsense. They traveled 3,000 miles through the Darien Gap. It's one of the most dangerous places in the world because they want to be part of the American dream. Boo baloney. They don't want to be part of the American dream. They don't want to swear allegiance. They don't show up for their asylum hearing. And 85% of them who do don't get asylum. Richard, why won't Democrats? If I were going to teach a class on Propaganda 101, that would be a clip that I would play. It's nice and short, emotion all the way to 11. <laughs> She's cranked up that amp all the way to 11. <laughs> She's full on just strident screaming as she as she's wont to do. And then she flat out says these people are not people. So immediately dehumanizing them. And then she takes the actions of what was four young men. There, there's more involved in the scuffle, but four that were arrested. The, the, the two that were flipping the bird. There are two young men that flipped the bird. They looked incredibly young. And anybody who works in criminal justice will tell you the demographic that commits pretty much most of the crime in any culture are young men, teenagers and young men. It starts from about age 14 to 27 is sort of the peak age for crime something about young men impulse impulsivity they don't know how to stop themselves they have testosterone causes um all kinds of aggression that's they don't really understand that link you can have really high levels of testosterone and not be aggressive you can have low levels of testosterone and be aggressive they don't quite get it but they know that it plays a role of some sort so um so yes to take those four young men and then to say these four young men represent every single undocumented immigrant in this country is crazy. She doesn't know anything about those four young men. She doesn't know anything about their, their backstory or why they're here, what happened, and you know, whatever. But that's just classic, classic propaganda. <sighs> and that's basically what most of the week was until Friday happened, until the military strike happened. It was just variations of a theme on the border crisis, and I was just losing it because it gets so... It's, it's rough to hear that over and over and over and over and over again. So next up, Richard Fowler. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of him lately because Jessica Tarloff is pregnant and will go on maternity leave eventually. She's about six months pregnant right now. So Richard Fowler is a black gay man who does a pretty good... He doesn't have nearly the hours under his belt that Jessica has in that chair. Um, Harold Ford Jr. is a moderate. He's a very nice man. He comes across as incredibly pleasant, but he doesn't really fight with his coworkers. He doesn't push back, and he often agrees with them. So when he's on the show, I'm just like, <sighs> I'm falling asleep. Again, seems like a nice person, but he's, he's not Tarloff. 
Fowler's a little bit closer to Tarloff, but he's new, so he doesn't push as many buttons. He's, he's you know, he's a little unsure of himself yet. I, I like him. We'll see how he does. Tarloff is just, she's got armor, you know, because she's been doing this a while. She's, like, amazing. I just sit, I sit back and I'm like, how do you take it when they just yell over her and condescend to her and laugh at her and mock her and she just holds it? Just like, oh, man. So she's amazing. So this was during a discussion about shoplifting. And they were making, uh, they, they were talking about, this is like a new thing that they've been talking a lot about, which is organized retail theft. And I'll tell you, it's not new. Anybody who's worked in New York retail would tell you that this, this is not new. This has gone on for years, where groups will come into a store, what they used to do. Um, I briefly worked at a high-end retail store for children. I have had so many weird jobs. And it was like on Park Avenue, Madison Avenue, I don't remember. But very, 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 very posh. And everybody had a lot of money and the clothes were all massively overpriced. And what I was told to look for is that groups would come in, overwhelm the store, like confuse everybody, and they just take whatever they could and just run out. And they were like, be really careful. Any group that comes into the store, get ready to call the cops. So um, I was like, okay. So... Again, this is not new, but they were talking about like retail organized theft and it got on the topic of like why people steal. And this was Richard Fowler's input. Means for making the decision that they're making. Look, I I've said all along on this particular issue, I think we have to, even when you think about cashless bail, which is one of the issues that get us to people committing the thefts that you see happening at this Walgreens, I think you have to make a distinction between crimes of desperation and people just doing stupid things. If a mom walks into a Walgreens and steals baby formula, the response is not to arrest yeah. her. I don't the think we're talking about Jean Valjean. That is, that is an <laughs> argument that's so old. Yeah. No, but it's an argument that's still true. It's it could not, be old, it, no, but it doesn't it, take away the situations. It's not true. I don't know a cop who would it's make an true. arrest in that case. No, yeah. but there was a time but, that but that's 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 getting arrested for stealing that baby AOC formula. AOC was laughed at about two years ago for yeah. saying that. Because somebody was stealing bread. Yeah, that's stealing about bread that. line. Lame Come on, rob. Richard. All right, um, I'm telling the truth. And I do right. just want to So, of course, nobody on the five... Okay, could you get more, like, white privilege than that? I, I, wow. <laughs> I'm like, none of you have ever been poor. None of you. No, maybe Richard Fowler, but none of the other people on this panel have ever been poor because you, you have no concept of what people have to do when they're poor. You have no concept of how desperate people get. So that was just, woo, And that blew up on Twitter. I had a feeling that would do well, and it, it was hugely viral for me. I just want to say that um, none of them offered any proof to their assertion that Richard Fowler was just talking crazy when he mentioned that people might steal food because they were poor. So um, it boils down to common sense. If you're going to steal something for money that you can go buy drugs with or, you know, pay for something else with, if that's your, like, your job, like, you just steal in order to make money, in order to, you know, buy whatever you need to buy, you're not going to steal food because you can't resell food, right? You can't, like, if you go into a store... And I use the example of like, you buy a, a $3 box of crackers, right? You go, Ooh, I like those crackers, which would be difficult to steal because they're big. But anything that you steal in a store, food-wise, you can't go outside of the store and then try to sell it. No one's going to buy it from you. Like maybe if it's completely packaged, but even then people are going to be like, why is that guy selling Cheetos? Or certainly like meat, no one's going to buy meat from you. <laughs> like meat's expensive, but even if you got out of the store with it, that would be difficult to sell. 
They might they might buy um, like I've seen people buy like steal like a bunch of laundry detergent, something that's not edible. You might be able to sell, but you're not going to be able to resell food unless you're like ripping off an entire warehouse of something that's shelf stable that you then have some type of mechanism to sell to the general public. For the most part, it's just going to be too hard. People are going to be too sketch. They're going to be like, what are you doing selling food? That's weird. Um, maybe candy, maybe if it's prepackaged, but it's difficult. So if you're going to steal something, you buy headphones, sneakers, you could probably sell those on the streets in New York. If you're savvy enough, you could definitely sell them on and then eBay. But I looked up to some reporting about this and I found an article during the pandemic from 2020 from the Washington Post. And they said that there was a sharp increase in people stealing food during the pandemic. Uh, I know that food banks were running out of food. I knew that soup kitchens had epic lines. I worked on a project where I interviewed a local soup kitchen in Queens. And they talked about how they were just at the breaking point because they had so many people who were so desperate for food. Um, so people were stealing food during the pandemic. And guess what? The top items stolen during the survey. So they sent out journalists. They were talking to uh, store owners of all these grocery chains and what are people stealing? And these were the three items. Bread, pasta, and baby formula. Sorry, guys, but people really do steal baby formula. It's very expensive when you're poor and you're broke. And, uh, you know, when people need that, they need that. They can't wait. They can't wait for that. They can't wait to fill out a form and hope that a charity can get it to them or, you know, they're going to take it. There's also organized rings that steal baby formula. That is true. That is a known thing. But... Obviously, it's something that desperate people do sometimes. So go ahead and make fun of people and talk about Les Miserables and all of that. But stealing for food out of desperation is something that is old as money. Speaking of money, I should give a quick shout out to my sponsor, which if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that that sponsor is listeners of this podcast and readers of my newsletter at Substack. That is right. I am 100% funded by... The community, by regular, ordinary listeners, Americans, people who like the news. I have no large donor. I have no large sponsor. But the moment, I have no advertisers. So if you would like to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can go to my Patreon and become a paid supporter. All paid subscribers and paid supporters get exclusive content. If you can't support the project, Please share the podcast, share the newsletter with friends, tell your friends about it. That is incredibly helpful. I also want to give a shout out to someone who bought something on the Amazon wish list. It was cat food and using just first names for privacy reasons. Thank you very much, Barbara. And that is Odin's favorite. As I said on the uh, wish list, it's called Reveal. And it's just like pure cat food. They're very, very, very picky eaters. They drive me nuts, but I love them. So thank you so much. And moving on to the rest of the podcast. So this next clip got me very excited <laughs> because when I found the one half of it back in October, I literally, I have a way, I have a method of labeling my archives when I search for stuff. And this one was called Clip to Save When They Lie About Military Recruitment. Kid you not. That's what I wrote. Clip to Save. This is from PBS NewsHour. So uh, Laura Ingram, she actually mentioned this three times during her monologues last week. 
But these first two examples were the clearer example, the better example of her just saying it straight out quickly that I could pull. So this is Laura Ingram. This is classic Laura Ingram. Um, she just does that thing where she'll take something and then just assume that it's about Biden, when she has no proof that anything's about Biden. And here she is talking about military recruitment. We have a massive recruitment shortfall for a reason. I think a lot of families are very afraid to send their sons and daughters uh, into the military with these, uh, this crew in charge. Well, their sixth social justice project in the military has coincided with a jaw-dropping shortfall in military recruitment. Now, this next clip that you're going to hear is the one that I labeled save for when they lie about recruitment. This is from the PBS NewsHour. This is Nick Schifrin from October 2023. The United States Army has not met its recruitment goals since 2014. For the fiscal year that just ended, the Army fell short of its 65,000 goal by 15,000. Yes, that would be Nick Schifrin, ladies and gentlemen, saying 2014. So the U U.S. Army, which is just one branch, but the largest branch of the U.S. military, has not met its recruitment goals since 2014. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, there's the proof that even during the entire Trump administration, they were not meeting their recruitment goals. It goes all the way back to Obama. So why wouldn't they be? Now, I looked this up and I found uh, a nice source with the U.S. Naval Institute. The U.S. Army is the largest branch. Um, I also found another source that showed that the U.S. Navy and Marines were also having problems with recruitment as far back as 2014. And I'm just going to read exactly verbatim what the U.S. Naval Institute wrote. Top recruiters told the House Armed Services Personnel Subcommittee that they are concerned about the future. The economy continues to improve. Fewer young people are interested in enlisting, and marketing and bonus budgets hang in the balance. Same source later on in the article. Another obstacle for the military is a smaller group of qualified young people. The 17 to 24 age group is a shrinking population pool, and only one quarter to one third of them meet the necessary physical, mental, and moral standards for enlistment. So yes, they're not in shape as they used to be. There's not as many of them as there used to be, and there's other opportunities for young people. Although I will add that one thing that just happened under the Biden administration is the salaries, the starting salaries for new recruits has been increased, which I think that's about time. So definitely we need to be doing that. We, you know, spend a lot of money on stupid weapon systems that don't work sometimes. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. So next up, and this one had me jumping out of my skin. I was like, this network is suicidal. This network is suicidal. This network is suicidal. They just want to take all of their money, they want to put it in a pile, and they want to set it on fire. Now, you can kind of guess what I'm talking about here because it was in the headline, Dancing with Defamation. Whew! I, I was so, like, at just white-knuckled watching this clip. Like, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Great gut fill. Just go over the edge. Come on. Come on. Come on. He didn't. Ugh right there it's right there here's the clip i read this article in the new york times this is the biden re-election strategy are you ready don't run on bidenomics leave the white house more than once a week ask bill and barack to raise money for you and hope a pop star endorses you 
Jessica, this is not the re-election strategy of a winning campaign. This smacks of desperation and the fact that he's clinging to Taylor Swift, who he couldn't even pick out of a lineup without Jill going like this. That's Taylor. Tells me everything you know about Is Joe Biden. Is the strategy to owe $83 million for defaming a woman that you sexually assaulted? I would love Taylor Swift's endorsement. Any politician would. I but I like you people like what I just Kid said, Rock. Because that was the news from the weekend on that side. And then Joe Biden was 15 minutes late to church. And you think it's the end of the world. Wait, the church. He goes to church. You want to talk? Let's he talk about that. Let's talk about that lawsuit then. Go ahead, Jessica. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that you shouldn't sexually assault people, and then you shouldn't defame okay, them. Okay, was he found guilty of sexual yes, he assault? Was. He was a he criminal. Was, by a jury. was a criminal. It was it says, that was it's civil. civil. Yeah. Oh, that means it, it doesn't a... count. Okay. It means it's not a guilty verdict. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's always nice to bring something up that has that, nothing to do to with your... the topic. It does. You said the campaign strategy. You know, just stop interrupting everybody. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little secret about uh, broadcast journalism. They have in their ear a little earpiece. So if something crazy happens or there is a correction that needs to be made immediately, a producer is going, hey, Judge Jeanine, no, no, don't. It was Thursday, not Friday. Thursday, not Friday. And I've seen instances on air where I saw one beautifully done with Judge Jeanine where she said something wrong and she goes, wait, wait. No, it was Saturday. So, like, if she gets something wrong, I've seen her do that. I've seen her, like, very abruptly yell a correction. And you're like, somebody just told her to say that. Also, Bad Fox Graphics caught this one. Uh, Bad, Co Bad Fox Graphics is an account that does similar work than I do. Uh, a little different. They find mistakes. And they and they <laughs> that account's very funny because that account also will at the people like they'll I never do that I never I never uh, uh address anybody I'm talking about directly like I never put their Twitter handle in my tweets I'm like why bother they'll figure it out but bad Fox graphics does it all the time and people like Rachel Campos Duffy will actually respond which is like don't respond to us you're just gonna make us stronger don't Ignore us. Greg Gutfeld should have learned that lesson. He still hasn't learned that lesson. He came at me uh, last summer and I got 20,000 followers from it. I got paid subscribers. I got Patreon supporters. Like significantly, I got like a huge boost from it. And I was like, thank you, Greg Gutfeld. Thank you, Greg Gutfeld. None of his people bothered me. I didn't get any hate mail in my email. I got nothing. I got nothing. They didn't really care. And he's like, he came at me for days. Like, you just got to ignore us, you idiots. Um, anyway, but Bad Fox Graphics noticed a clip that I put up where Lawrence Jones said something really stupid where he said, is there wind in space? And he was with, um, I believe, Brian Kilmeade and Ansley Anhart, and they didn't know. They were, like, laughing and trying to fake it. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. Wind in space? Wind in space? And there's a moment where Ansley Anhart actually touches her ear and you hear her go <laughs> there's no wind in space she sort of tries to cover but i'm like no it's obvious somebody told you that there's no wind in space and then apparently like the um one of the camera people had to tell them i was just like this is oh so anyway the reason why i go on that little tangent about the earpieces is i suspect because E. Jean Carroll has this amazing legal team, she just won $83 million 
in, and that's a whole other thing, but she just won an $83 million judgment from Trump in a defamation suit after winning a $5 million judgment in a defamation suit. If those idiots on Fox went off about how her case is not real or she's a liar or she's a crazy person and they really went to town on her and then she got flooded emails, right, of people threatening her life and screaming at her and saying all this stuff. Textbook. She goes right into court. She gets some money from Fox News. They are wounded. They are bleeding because of the Dominion lawsuit. What is wrong with these people? Like, you really can't just blatantly lie about certain people on camera. They get away with it with public figures because it's very, very difficult for a public figure to win a defamation lawsuit. And that's a whole, again, a whole other podcast. But the more you get talked about in the press, the harder it is to win a defamation lawsuit. So that's why Hillary Clinton, they can say whatever they want. And the chances of her winning would be very slim. But E. Jean Carroll is not, I mean, she's a public figure. Mm, but she's not as famous as Hillary Clinton. There's not a bazillion articles written about her. There's not books written about her. And if you specifically went at her for these charges, which she has already proven in court, a jury already said they agreed that Trump sexually assaulted her. Boom. Cha-ching. Don't be stupid. What are you so stupid? I got another example. This is a bonus example. Uh, this is Ned Ryan from the Ingram Angle, they were ripping on Nikki Haley. If you want to listen to the Nikki Haley episode, I'm getting a lot of great feedback on that. Thank you guys so much. That one took a lot of time because I did go all the way back to 2022 to see. I didn't have that many from that year. It was only a handful. But I did go back through like every single segment that was about her or where she appeared. And I just kind of did the temperature of how Fox treated her to see when they turned on her. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But this is Ned Ryan. This is from last week, the Ingram Angle, and he just brings up what he calls the Carroll case. Doesn't say E. Jean Carroll, says the Carroll case. Well, idiot du jour, is she not? Yes. Oh, 100%. Nikki Haley is a useful idiot of the left. I mean, not only her rhetoric on this subject, but look at her recent comments on the bogus Carroll case, right out of the DNC playbook. And if you didn't know any better, it came right out of the mouth of Hillary Clinton. Uh, which makes sense when you think about it, Laura, as both Nikki's super PAC and the Carroll case were funded by the leftist Reed Hoffman. So just to clarify that one a little bit, Reed Hoffman did, in fact, give Nikki Haley money for her presidential campaign. And he did give uh, some funding for the the legal expenses for E. Jean Carroll. That was done through like a foundation and it was done on a grant. And E. Jean Carroll had no idea who put the money in the grant. It was Hoffman. Now, Hoffman gave Nikki Haley $250,000, which to you or I would be a lot of money. To a presidential campaign, it's not that much money as, as far as donors are concerned because she has gotten, I don't know the exact amount because it's kind of a moving number, but it was like tens of millions from conservative groups. So she's gotten a lot of money from the the. The Koch Foundation, indirectly, they have a number of different nonprofits. And they the way they can give that much money is they're giving it to super PACs. They can't legally give it to her campaign directly, but they're giving it to super PACs associated with Nikki Haley. And that's like kind of going to her campaign. It's hard to describe the campaign finance. So, um, yeah, $250,000 in that context is not a lot of money. And he has also said... He's done, uh, he's 
he's on pause with her at the moment because she lost in Iowa and New Hampshire. So um, there's hyperlinks to all of this in the newsletter. So um, I just some background on the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, if you don't know it. Uh, Carroll accused Trump in 2019 of sexually assaulting her in a department store dressing room decades earlier. He publicly denied that he'd ever met her and called her a whack job. She had to deal with a num just tremendous harassment because of this. She sued him in civil court for defamation. The first jury found that Trump had sexually assaulted her and ended up awarding her $5 million in damages. Immediately following the first verdict, Trump continued to make defamatory statements about Carol at campaign events and on social media. So she sued him again. And on Friday, January 26th, a jury awarded E. Jean Carroll $83 million in a second defamation case against Donald J. Trump. And part of the reason why they gave her so much money is to shut him up. It, I don't think it's going to work. But uh, I haven't done, I did a tiny bit of Judge Janine. I feel like I should do a little bit more. If you're new to the podcast, this is the 99th episode. And I've got to say... Next week's going to be 100. It's also going to be the two-year anniversary of decoding Fox News. The newsroom of one, a crazy woman who lives with two cats in a tiny apartment with a microphone, a laptop, and a dream. If we were doing a biography for her on Fox and Friends, I'd probably narrate it. The joke is, if they did do like a who is Juliet Jeske on Fox Nation, it would be a weird one. Very, I don't want to waste too much time on this. My ex-husband is a circus clown. He is openly gay now. He was gay the whole marriage. I'm very open about this. I've written about it. It's no secret. Uh, and I used to work on cruise ships. I walked on stilts. I was in the Macy's Day Parade twice. Performed all over the place. Done all kinds of wacky jobs. I've had a weird life. I play the accordion. I play the ukulele. I'm a total weirdo. So I would make a very interesting, <laughs> I think, just because people would be like, are you serious? And then how could I forget that I was like a secret, anonymous researcher of the Proud Boys who was sending stuff to journalists covertly and had it ended up with people thinking I was part of a bomb plot when it was really a crazy person from Florida sending pipe bombs all over the place. And I happened to send material about the Proud Boys on the same day and they got confused. And so I had cops in my tiny apartment, like interrogating me. And I was just like, I'm a crazy cat lady. It's all good. And then uh, New York Daily News ambushed me and tried to do a story about me. And I begged them and had a total mental breakdown and start crying and said, please don't. I don't want to get killed by the Proud Boys. And that was before anybody knew who the Proud Boys were. <laughs> and then uh, I went to grad school and wouldn't shut up about the crazy story. And, and it, yeah, it's been weird. I, grad school in my 40s. Very strange life. Um, very, very, very weird life. Very weird life. I, you know can't make it up didn't plan for any of this just thought I'd be very I don't know I just thought I didn't want to live in Missouri that was my goal to get out of Missouri sorry guys who live in Missouri love you I just, it wasn't for me didn't match didn't fit but anyway moving on I know I have a lot of Missouri listeners so I don't want to offend anybody but um you know we all have to find our place and for me it was New York City I love Chicago too but anyway stories Fox News ignored every week I take the hours I've watched and analyzed on Fox News and compare them to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. 
The following list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. We're going to start with updates in the war in Ukraine. Leaders of 27 European countries agreed to a deal to provide Ukraine with 50 billion euros or $54 billion. Hungary, a strong ally to Russia, had threatened to veto the measure. The package includes loans and grants that are meant to rebuild the country and set it up for future EU membership. The EU has a separate plan for supplying military support. PBS included an extended interview with Jans Stolberg, the Secretary General of NATO. Stolberg stressed that the Ukrainian military was in great need of weapons and military support. He also emphasized that European countries and Canada had sent more to support the beleaguered nation than the United States. That is true. I looked it up. Don't listen to Trump. He's lying. The United Nations International Court rejected large parts of a case filed by Ukraine alleging that Russia bankrolled separatist rebels in the country's east a decade ago and has discriminated against Crimea's multi-ethnic community since its annexation of the peninsula. Again, that was rejected by the UN. PBS also included an interview with Sergei Mendevev, sorry about that, a local Russian politician who had fled to Georgia due to his opposition to the war with Ukraine. Over 20,000 Russians have been detained for protesting the war. Ukraine said that Russia is refusing to turn over the bodies of 65 prisoners of war who Moscow claimed were killed in the downing of a Russian military transport plane by Ukrainian forces. Ukraine has denied the allegation and called it rampant Russian propaganda. Russia and Ukraine exchanged hundreds of prisoners of war last week. Russia received 195 soldiers and 207 people, including soldiers and other prisoners, were returned to Ukraine. Updates in the Israel-Hamas war. Israel said it killed 2,000 Hamas gunmen in Khan Yunus. Some Hamas members surrendered to IDF troops, giving the Israelis valuable intelligence. That's according to the Israelis. According to the Gaza Health Ministry, 27,000 people have been killed in Gaza since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. The ministry does not differentiate between civilian and combatant deaths. Israeli special forces disguised as women and healthcare workers assassinated three militants in a hospital in the West Bank. There was no return fire as this was a targeted strike. President Biden issued an executive order that targeted Israeli settlers who've been accused of attacking Palestinians and peace activists in the West Bank. The EO is meant to prevent the settlers from entering the United States, using American financial systems, or working with U.S. companies. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu met with 26 representatives from eight hostage families. The families pressed for him to define the return of the hostages as the primary aim of the war. Netanyahu refused to do so, but he did say, our commitment is to bring everyone back. PBS produced an extensive interview with Mahid bin Mohammed al-Assari, a Qatari foreign ministry spokesperson. He spoke at length about Qatar's role in a ceasefire negotiation between Israel and Hamas. Although there is no definite deal at the moment, some progress has been made. 
Khan Yunus, the second largest city in Gaza, experienced tremendous damage. According to reporting by BBC, at least half the buildings in the Gaza Strip have been damaged or destroyed. According to the United Nations, about 1.7 million people, or 80% of the population, has been displaced, with nearly half crammed into the southern portion of the Strip. The CEO of Alaska Airlines said that the company found loose bolts on many of its Boeing 737 MAX 9s. This was the first interview since a door plug on one of its MAX 9 airplanes shot out of the side of the fuselage only a few minutes into the flight, forcing the pilot to make an emergency landing. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania ruled that the state's constitution guaranteed a fundamental right to reproductive autonomy, which included the decision on whether to have an abortion. The Supreme Court of the United States should rule on a case that involves access to a drug used in medication abortions in March. A Hong Kong court ruled that Evergrade Group, a large real estate developer in China, must liquidate its assets after the company was unable to obtain $300 billion from investors. The company's demise is a sign of China's slowing economy. The Court of Arbitration for Sport ruled last week that Russian figure skater Kamala Valieva was disqualified for the 2022 Winter Olympics for using a banned heart medication during the competition. She will be stripped of her gold medal, and the United States' second-place winner is set to be named the Olympic champion. PBS produced a full-length segment on the state of the electric vehicle market in the United States. Demands for the cars is growing, but it's slower than automakers and the Biden administration had hoped for. The consumer price confidence is up for a third month in a row. It's at the highest level since December 2021. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan was found guilty of corruption and sentenced to 14 years in prison. Khan and his wife were accused of retaining and selling state gifts in violation of government rules. Khan was also disqualified for holding public office for 10 years. The French government announced new controls on cheap foreign imports after a series of farmer protests in the country. Musician Elton John and his longtime lyricist Bernie Taupin received the Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. They will both be honored in a tribute concert in April. A federal study by the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry found high rates of eight cancers linked to contaminated water at a U.S. Navy and Marine base, Camp Lejeune. Tens of thousands of troops and civilians drank contaminated water at the base from 1975 to 1985. PBS produced a segment about an investigation by the Washington Post into the payouts the NFL has paid players for brain trauma, or CTE, they received while playing in the league. The NFL has awarded $1.2 billion to more than 1,600 athletes, but the Post found that only 15% of the claims were approved. The investigation also found that doctors discovered CTE cases during autopsies in some players who the NFL said did not qualify for a settlement. As reported last week, an extreme drought in Panama has caused reduced shipping in the Panama Canal. PBS produced a longer segment about the problem that went into more depth about possible causes and solutions. The number of Americans getting health insurance through the Affordable Care Act has hit a record high, with more than 21 million people signed up through the marketplaces. The segment explored how the ACA is once again a campaign issue, as Trump and Republicans have vowed to dismantle the program. 
A fire started by liquid natural gas canisters in Kenya killed three and injured at least 280. The explosion happened at an illegal gas depot in a residential area near the capital. North Korea fired cruise missiles off its western coast. The launch on Friday marked the fourth time in just over a week that North Korea has launched such missiles. Tesla issued a recall for nearly every car it sold in the United States because some warning lights on instrument panels are too small. PBS produced a segment about various conspiracy theories circling in right-wing media over Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl. PBS even showcased a brief clip from Jesse Waters' primetime in its segment. Waters has promoted the idea that Swift was a PSYOP, psychological operation, working for the Department of Defense. Cheetah Rivera, a Broadway actress, singer, and dancer, died at the age of 91. She was best known as an original cast member in the Broadway production of West Side Story. She also appeared in Bye Bye Birdie, Chicago, and the title role of Kiss of the Spider Woman. Newsweek called her only the greatest musical theater dancer ever. N. Scott Mamaday was a Pulitzer-winning Native American novelist who also wrote poetry, memoirs, and essays. He was best known for his novel, House Made of Dawn. He died on Wednesday at his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He was 89. Carl Weathers, actor and former professional football player, died at the age of 76. Weathers played opposite Sylvester Stallone in the triple Oscar-winning film Rocky. He also appeared in Predator, Happy Gilmore, and was the voice of combat Carl in the Toy Story films. He also appeared in a self-deprecating fictional version of himself in the American television series Arrested Development. Joe Madison, radio host and civil rights activist, died at the age of 74. Madison was ranked the number six most important talk show host in the country in 2023 by Talkers Magazine. He once interviewed Barack Obama in the Oval Office. President Biden called him the voice of a generation. That was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. None of that was on Fox. They just ignored all of it. So now, by the numbers, we're way over time. Uh, we start with Fox News. We go to the top five topics for the week. Top five would include, number one, 21%, U.S. military strikes in the Middle East. Number two, border crisis at 17%. Then we've got U.S. soldiers killed in Jordan, 11%. Trump, 2024, and that's 100% promoting him, 4%. And Biden bashing, also 4%. For the PBS NewsHour, top five topics. Artist profile, it's a regular U.S. military soldiers killed in Jordan, 8%. Ukraine war, 7%. Author profile, 6%. And the Israel-Hamas war, 5%. Now, words used on Fox News for the week ending. February 4th, 2024. Iran, 470. Biden, 405. Border, 279. Trump, 254. Migrant, 226. Crime, 87. Israel, 75, China, 34, Haley, 24, Immigration, 24, Economy, 23, Obama, weirdly came up a lot, 16, Hunter, 2, that's shocking, I don't think it's been two in months, Inflation, 2, AOC, 1, and Dean Phillips magically dropped back down to zero, what, okay, 
I went a little bit longer than I like to, um, but thank you so much for listening. You can catch Decoding Fox News on Twitter, also known as X, Threads, which I'm loving, Instagram, the comments are always hilarious, TikTok, on Facebook and YouTube, I'm under Juliet Jeske, Juliet spelled like Romeo and Jeske spelled like J-E-S-K-E. I think I got all my platforms. Again, if you would like to become a paid subscriber, that's the only way I exist, is from the from the generosity of my paid subscribers, you can go to my Substack channel for Decoding Fox News. You can also become a paid supporter at Patreon. I have a lot of paid supporters at Patreon. Thank you so much. You can go there, and paid subscribers and paid supporters get exclusive content. They just got the written version of the Nikki Haley podcast the full version of it um i try to do something at least once a week now i'm getting better at it it's hard because this job kicks my butt every single week the podcast mascots odin and thor also send their love i will see you at the next podcast which will be hopefully probably unless there's a bonus one number 100 for the two-year anniversary thank you so much